AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today we're having a little Halloween after party, discussing some horror tropes you can find right in nature. Evil deadly lakes, fungus that isn't fun, terrifying antics, and things that go bump in the night. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, what does the fox say? Is it... Joining me today are two horror movie specialists and hosts of the Gamefully Unemployed podcasts, Tom Ryman and David Bell. Oh, hey. we, we also sp- spooky Be- sounds. Spooky. <laughs> Between oh. us, we're also probably hosting tons of parasites. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, my skin is rippling. Everyone has uh, mites on their eyelashes, so you know. Mm-hmm. They're symbiotes. They're not really uh, positive or negative. They just sit there and eat your dead skin. I know. It's. I still feel like they're they're getting something over on me though. Eyelash spiders. Yeah, probably. I don't think they actually do anything good for you. So they're mm -mm. you know just kind of sitting on there. Your eye spiders. Get a get a get a job. I think it's fun though because you're never truly alone. You're never alone when you got eye spiders. Little tiny eye spiders. (laughs) 
Are they, wait, do they look like spiders? They look like spiders. They're actually mites, which are, you know, related to spiders. They're not actually spiders. I like to picture my mites wearing jaunty little hats. Yeah, they probably are. Mm-hmm. I like I like the idea of them like sort of matching my outfit every day. Like, hey, you're wearing a flamingo shirt. Me too. Aw. Yeah, cute. Very courteous little eye spiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But guys, enough of the cute talk about spiders. Let's talk about haunted, deadly lakes. Ooh. That's That's right. Spook. Spook. Spooky. Spooky Spooky lakes. lakes. You did did say lakes, right? Lake. Well, this is one lake. I'm sure there are other spooky lakes. Look, I'm not saying that this is the only spooky lake. Can Mm. I, I, I? I think all lakes are spooky. Okay. They're just, they're giant, like, bodies of water, of, like, stagnant water, which is things in them that's spooky you don't want to go yeah, in those i wouldn't say stagnant water necessarily but still yeah still water which is uh yeah you know i just, I just assume ev- every lake is loaded with ghosts yeah yeah, yeah. it's got to be loaded with all the ghosts of the microorganisms right like tiny oh yeah cellular just, ghosts. just really haunted by dead fish <laughs> yeah Fish with unfinished business. <laughs> unfinished fish business. Yeah, a, t- a turtle that never got to say goodbye to its mom. Aww. Oh, that's actually I, really I, sad. You brought the podcast down. Yeah, I thought I thought the fish business would be like, oh, I really wanted to pick up that pebble in my mouth and spit it back out. Right. Really badly. Mm-hmm. And I never got to. Right. I feel like it'd be be like i wanted to try like swimming in a loop-de-loop and then i hit my head on a rock and died but now i'm gonna try it again but yeah no this is an actual spooky lake so this is a lake that turns dead animals into terrifying stone sculptures Ooh, i mean that sounds pretty dope it's 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 pretty tight yeah it's pretty metal (laughs) it's pretty chill it's pretty chill sounds like it Turns them into fun collectibles. Yeah. <laughs> into precious moments. The yeah. moment of death. Isn't that precious, though? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Lake Natrone in northern Tanzania, a salt lake that is highly alkaline. So if you're highly alkaline, you have a very high pH. So you're basic. You're, you're basic. Bitch. This okay. lake's a basic mm-hmm. bitch. Right. Yeah. Y- Wait, this lake's a basic bitch? The lake is very basic. Hmm. It's yeah. a basic lake. I it's got not, this, I got you know what I follow this lake on Instagram and I really right. got that sense. But it's yeah. it's not basic like basic bitch. It's basic like it is full of base as in it has a high pH. Like there's acids, low pH and there's bases, high pH and acids can be very caustic and bases can be very caustic as well. So it is so basic due to high amounts of natron Found in the lake. Natron is a naturally occurring basic high pH mineral salt. This gives the lake a pH of over 12, which is about as high as ammonia. Sure. Yeah. Cool. You could say, you could have said anything and I would have Right, yeah. <laughs> I would I don't never know. What, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what any of that means, but you I could believe be you. making this up. <laughs> yeah. It's got a pH as high as glorge. Oh, yeah, Glorge. Yeah, sure, I remember yeah. hearing yeah. about Glorge in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really a powerful household solvent. Right. Yeah. We had that, to, that Glorge. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the lake is only about 10 feet deep, which is about three meters, but it's 
35 miles long, about 57 kilometers long. And the lake's pretty hot. Uh, it's about 100 degrees Fahrenheit, if not more. And it is the world's most caustic lake. Mm. So, you know, it'll That's, tickle uh, if you go it's, in it. It's <laughs> yeah. So, it's so caustic, it shouts at people as they walk by. Oh, yeah. It's got, it's this, like, lake, this lake sounds like a real, real, real trash lake. Yeah. It's like Gilbert real. Gottfried's voice turned into water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the liquefied voice of Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried's voice melted across 10 miles, or yeah. however wide it was. The pictures that you have here, is this, is this the lake? Mm-hmm. This red, this terrifying red splotch yes. of land? Yes. I'm going to say I appreciate that it's blood red. That is very <laughs> considerate of the lake. Right. Truth in advertising, right? Yeah. So the satellite images of the lake show a creepy kind of portal to hell red gouge in the Earth's surface. Mm-hmm. And even up close, the lake can be red. So not all parts of the lake are red. It kind of depends on what part of the lake you're in. Like there are shallower bits. There are deeper bits. There are bits sort of uh, closer to the shoreline that might be bluer. Uh, but like in the center of the lake, it may be redder. It also, so it's red because of cyanobacteria that has this deep red pigment. So cyanobacteria are these little um, uh, very tiny organisms that also, can, they can either live independently or they can live in red algae. And that's what gives red algae that bright red color. That's what happens like when you have a red tide. Not not the euphemism for a lady's period, but an actual red tide, sure. you know, in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And not not to be confused with the Tony Scott film Crimson Tide. <laughs> yeah, classic film. So, other than microorganisms, little life finds this lake hospitable, save for a few fish that live around the less salty and caustic margins of the lake, and also flamingos. Ooh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> flamingos are hanging out in this lake? Flamingos are hanging out in this lake. So they actually feed on some of the algae. And they, because they can fly, they can actually fly into these mud flats that form seasonally due to evaporation mm-hmm. and breathe there, lay their eggs, and allow their young to hatch. And that actually keeps them safe from predators because basically they're on these little islands and predators don't want to have to swim through a blood red, hellish, right. highly basic, caustic lake. It's like, it's like how they always say if you get attacked by a bear, light yourself on fire. Yes. And then the bear won't touch you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bear's not going to have anything to do with that. Yeah. Right. But the, the flamingos can basically survive it because they're on those mud flats and they can fly. Mm-hmm. And their, their hatchlings, when they hatch, basically they have to time it very specifically so that they can walk across a land bridge that forms with evaporation. And they have to be pretty fast about it, though, because uh, young flamingos can actually die on the journey from these these salt uh, salt lakes, like if their legs start to get too wet because salt crystals start to form and it weighs them down and it can actually kill them if they just get so weighed down by the salt crystals forming on their legs that they can't move. So this is after they're born, they have to get out of this lake? Yes. That's awful. That's, That's like <laughs> real high risk reward here. It's, it's yeah. like, it's well, like well, building, building a house in this. the middle of like an acid moat. Well, right. 
right. right. But then if you're surrounded by predators that want to eat your babies and they don't want to go through the acid moat. And sorry, guys, it's not an acid moat. Right. It's, it's a basic, basic moat. Basic. Right. right. Basic. <laughs> but like, it's just they didn't ask for that. It's it's like. <laughs> they didn't ask to be born. Yeah. Like, well, like it's just like, welcome to the guy. world. Now you have to get through the Mario lava level. I love like, I love the emo flamingo. It's just got like one little tuft of like black feathers. Like, I didn't ask <laughs> to be born in a caustic lake, mom. <laughs> oh, dyeing its feathers black. That's great. But for <laughs> most birds, this lake is a deadly temptress because the migrating birds will crash into the lake's surface. Its waters are highly reflective due to the dense mineral content, and it forms a natural mirror. So, so wait, the, do they think it's more sky? They think it's more sky, <laughs> literally. Aww. They're like, wow, in sky the in the ground? direction? Yeah. They're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. This is going to be awesome. I mean, it's probably very disorienting because you look down and there's just more sky. And you're like, huh, guess I got more sky to go in. Yeah. <laughs> Some bird scientist thinks they've discovered a window into another dimension. <laughs> oh, man. Growing up, we had a lot of windows and we would, you know, the birds would hit it. So I remember one year my parents had the bright idea of putting like butterfly stickers on the windows. And so they're just more birds slammed into it. But <laughs> hungry they birds. Eat the butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> you should have put a uh, aposematic butterflies, butterflies with warning coloration on the windows. Sure. Dave's mom. Yeah. Or just like a big owl. Yeah, that, that, well, that, that does they actually do sell They sell hawk decals that right. you can put. That, we did. Yeah. that would be super awesome, though. You just have a bunch of screaming hawks on your windows. <laughs> yeah. Angry gonna, looking hawks. I don't really have a problem with birds crashing into our, our windows, but now I just want to cover them all in, in, in hawk decals. Yeah. <laughs> just blazing, ferocious hawks. Just protecting the birds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like they will crash into this. And if you're, you know, flying and then you suddenly crash into a highly caustic lake at full speed, you can die either just from the impact or, you know, from the caustic lake. Them being murdered by a lake is just the start of the horror story because then inside the water of the lake, the bodies of these dead animals will be turned into macabre sculptures. So the dead animals' semi-decayed bodies are preserved through calcification. So calcium salts in the lake will be deposited into soft tissue, turning it into like this hard, semi-mummified dead bird or other animals. There's like bats sometimes get in there as well. Ah, sweet. I want a bat. But it's mostly birds. So I want you guys to take a look through. I'll also provide a link to these in the show notes, but this gallery of calcified animals that were turned into statues by Lake Natron, which is... Now, just to clarify something about these pictures, they they were calcified, turned into statues, and then some jerk photographer fished them out of the water and put them on these perches, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> they didn't calcify in these poses no. on these twigs according to the photographer they were in these poses but they were not like sitting on a branch so they were collected by him and local i guess volunteers i don't 
I don't know what what bribery system went on uh, to get locals to just like, hey, get some dead birds for me, will you? So this is photographer Nick Brandt who took these photos and he would get acquire the dead birds and sometimes dead bats and pose them by just taking their hardened calcified body and putting it on a branch and taking Mm. a photo. But he says that he didn't manipulate their bodies anyway, like try to pose them. I don't even think you could. Would they break? Break. Yeah. Like, like a Hummel? Yeah. <laughs> Man, the goth flamingo would love these in its room. Yeah, they'd have uh, a whole a whole thing of them. Yeah. Just if, all lined you, up on the wardrobe trying to shock its parents. <laughs> yeah. If you guys could get calcified, um, if you if that's how you go, getting calcified rapidly, what pose would you strike? Because these birds... Huh. They chose a good pose. I would probably go in an attack pose. Attack pose, yeah. Mm-hmm. With my fangs bared. I would hope to be holding a guitar so I could be wailing on a guitar in the pose. Well, we can make this happen, Dave. We can. Right. We can. You can. We can go to Tanzania and you can jump into mm-hmm. the lake with a guitar right. and just jump wait. in this freaking sarlacc pit. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would have like one hand like a Kimbo and kind of like sassily be sort of jutting my hip out and then like one hand sort of like blowing a kiss. And then I feel like that would be cool for people to Instagram post with. Oh, yeah. Make a little money while you're dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like people charge could, like, people. People could put fun like coins in my hand and then my bony calcified fingers like clasp over the coin and I'll be like, the deal is struck. Yeah. there's okay it's so have they like stuck cameras in this lake have they looked in the part where the animals can't go i don't i mean it's not that no animals can survive in this like uh fish can some fish very hardy fish can actually live in certain (laughs) parts of the lake i mean there are stout fish (laughs) fish are bulletproof just fish going around doesn't bother me doesn't bother me (laughs) Don't know what they're complaining about. Don't bother me. (laughs) I just find it hard to like, you're describing like one of those, you know, those weird flowers that like spiders fall in and bugs fall in and they drown and it Mm -hmm. eats them. Mm -hmm. Like, it just seems like it's some elaborate trap. Right. But it's just a lake. Yeah. But what does the lake want? Does the lake want Yeah, I feel like, like, yeah, it's entirely possible we'd go to the bottom of this lake and find like a mouth. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, hello. Like, like, big, big, juicy, like big juicy lips. Like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Just a human mouth. Well, teeth, I, a giant teeth the size human of cars. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there have been like underwater videos taken. I don't know if you would get much. Also, if you, if you got film exposed to the water, like if somehow water got into your right. film or on your camera, it would r- destroy the footage. See, yeah. it's yeah, it's a racket. Like we can, we don't know what's down there, right? Yeah, it's 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 at at the very least, it's a portal to hell. What mm. if it's this photographer? Mm. What if he like turns into like a like a like a snake or something right. and like slithers into the water at night, like a selkie? Uh, yeah, but- and it's it's the lake's elaborate scam to sell black and white photography <laughs> of animals. <laughs> I, I I like that that this malevolent blood red lake's ultimate evil scam is photography. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, look. Sometimes monsters want you know right. to be artists too. Yeah. But these I'm are sh- these are astounding photos. There's a whole flamingo, a bat, 
uh, swallow some other bird. I can't really tell what it is anymore. It's dead is what it is. An entire eagle and I think a dove who I I think the dove is my favorite because its wings are sort of folded in front of it. It looks very much like an angel of death kind of thing going on. Yeah, it it looks like uh, uh like a prop for the movie The Crow. Right, right, or like uh, a Guillermo del Toro creation. Yeah, yeah. Again, good on these birds of taking these majestic poses. I know. At the moment of their death, they're like, oh, "I'm dying, but I must pull my finger." There's <laughs> <laughs> a cheese face and a, and a peace sign. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think that being turned into a statue is sort of a it's a it's a theme in horror movies, right? Like in House of Wax, where they like mm-hmm. turn horny teenagers yeah. into wax statues. Greek mythology, like Medusa turning people into stone statues. I guess horny Greeks. The classic story of gargoyles, <laughs> the uh, cartoon. Right. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the, that's sort of the opposite problem. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good point. Um. Tom, if we're, if we're talking about horror movies, Tom, we we literally just watched a movie like this, or should I say, a segment in a movie, Tom? Yeah, Creepshow Two. Yeah, The Raft. Yeah, the it's raft. about a a lake where a bunch of college kids, you know, going on a on one of those wooden rafts that's like anchored in the middle of a lake to bone. Right. Uh, and uh, there's the ultimate this bi- sin in horror movies: you can never have sex without yep. like consequences Mm -hmm. yeah in this case being attacked by what appears to be like a gooey trash bag that floats around the lake and dissolves them no eats them yeah yeah it's pretty gnarly that's cool that is kind of like this yeah i was gonna ask you guys if there are like killer lakes in horror movies and it sounds like there are just the one really yeah that one yeah yeah um i don't know you know there's um i mean it's not really a horror movie but in dante's peak the lake turns into acid yeah, and, uh, nice. and and eats grandmama. Eats huh. grandma. Yeah, grandma she soup. kind of. Yeah, she totally has it coming in the in the context of that film. Take that, grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very satisfying. It's a villain death. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, she's the chief villain of the piece. I yeah. like how this podcast has suddenly taken a very anti-grandma stance. This specific no, grandma. But, yeah, that, this okay, like if you grandma. watch Dante's Peak. You would be like, oh, yeah, I know okay. exactly what so you're talking we're not, about. We're saying grandmas in general are cool, and we don't yeah. we don't want you to get devoured by lakes of acid. Yeah, Mm-mm. we should say the character who I believe is named Ruth. Tom, Ruth? can you confirm? I think, I think it's Ruth, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Yeah, that she, would have been a hell of a thing. Just before we move on to the next topic, I want to do sort of an uh, honorable mention for spooky horror movie environment. So this would be the... Clathrus arcari fungus, which is also known as the octopus stinkhorn, the squidward mushroom, or devil's fingers. So it is a fungus that looks like a tentacled alien bursting out of an egg, which I think is pretty neat. Yeah. Why does this exist? Well, yeah, why and how can I avoid it? Um, so to answer why it exists, uh, I don't. I mean, that's very deeply philosophical. In short, mm-hmm. basically, these tentacle arms come out in order to distribute its spores, and they smell like rotting flesh when they're mature to attract flies and other pollinators. I guess that actually didn't answer why they exist, but just added on to sort of more of how they exist. <laughs> so basically, 
the it looks like a white egg and then out of the white egg are red tentacle arms with black goo inside of them sort of bursting out of the eggs and sometimes they come in whole clusters so it looks like a nest of little eldritch demons it's the shrimp fingers in beetlejuice ah. yeah it's exactly what it looks like yeah that was the first thing that came to mind i don't remember shrimp fingers uh it's during the the famous scene where she dances and sings uh the Deo. Oh, right, and right, then, right. And then the, the, at the end, their meals grab them. I they see, turn, yeah. The shrimp turns into fingers. They mm-hmm. grab their faces and throw them. That's fun. That's what these fungus do, too. Yeah. No, not really. They, they do, go right for the face. <laughs> they do smell like dead flesh. And, oh, and then this is just a fun thing from the Wikipedia uh, sentence. says, quote, the young fungus erupts from a subarumpent egg by forming Ooh. into four to seven elongated slender arms initially erect and attached at the top so i never actually have heard the term subarumpent and no. i googled it and every everything on google just led back to this wikipedia article so huh. i don't know if this is a real word or not erumpent is a real word it means bursting forth through a surface but I guess like subarumpent means like the egg is the thing from which the tentacle fungus er- erupts. I don't know, but I'm just sounds like, like somebody's making stuff up on Wikipedia. Kind of sounds mm-hmm. like somebody's making stuff up on Wikipedia, but it's it they was tried, such a cool they tried word. to slide subarumpent in there. It's like no, yeah. it's a perfect crime, right? But I'm like super into this word, so I kind of want it to be a real word. So I'm just mm-hmm. gonna start using subarumpent and mm-hmm. act like oh you you don't know what subarumpent means. So that's embarrassing <laughs> for you. I, I'm 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 now automatically thinking of horror movies. This reminds me. <laughs> oh yeah, Splinter comes to mind. Say it's not quite the same, but that's. I was trying to think of what are fungal horror movies, uh, and of course, there's The Last of Us with um, like it's often a, a zombie genre. Mm-hmm. Splinter is similar. Last of Us where is it's a, a game where zombies are uh, taken over by the Cordyceps fungus, which is actually based on a real fungus that oh, yeah. infects ants and other insects and bursts from them, like sometimes from their heads into a fruiting body that releases spores, which is pretty horrifying. I think we've talked about it on the show before, but yeah. It's pretty cool, yeah. Also the movie Cargo, which was like a zombie movie with Martin Freeman. Yeah. That not Austra- the Australian Outback, and I think that him and a baby him and a baby and i think th- wasn't that whole there was like sort of i think they based some of their thing That's on a fungus m- yeah it's more zombie-ish it was a good very good premise which is that he's trying to get this this i think it's a baby to safety having been bitten so he knows that in a certain amount of time he's gonna eat that baby like he, he's just gonna he's not gonna He's going to be a zombie, and right. then that baby is screwed. Yeah, <laughs> the baby's out of options at that point. Yeah, the baby, yeah I don't think that baby could handle the right. situation. <laughs> oh, but you know what it is? It's not, that, it's not that the virus itself is a fungus, but they based the human behaviors on the behaviors of ants that have been infected with cordyceps. So yeah. like the humans in a, a stage of infection, they are, become very like photosensitive and like hide their heads in the ground, then burst forth, becoming fully zombified um and i think it's 
with uh, ants, it's not quite the same thing. They just go crazy and walk up a stem and then like clamp down on the stem and start to clamp their head onto the stem and just like stay in that locked pose. So I think that's actually really, I, I like that idea yeah. of like an infection sort of like having you do this weird behavior in service of the virus or fungus, fungal infection. I, a non-zombie option, it's not really a fungus, I'm cheating, but uh, the movie Apostle has sort of a fungal quality to what's going on. Right. It's it's more like nature. Yeah, uh, this is also stuff. This is also a little reminiscent of Annihilation. Yes, yes. I've oh seen that yeah. Too. God, um, I, I couldn't watch that movie like all the way through, but I have just watched bits and pieces of it to get yeah. the overall vibe. You didn't like the tummy worms. <laughs> Did I didn't like, like the, the bear worms? that screams I, like a woman. I was gonna say, did you make oh, yeah. it to the horror bear? And yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, your love of animals. I feel like there's certain horror movies that would fascinate you to some extent and horrify you. Yeah. Apostle being one of them. Yeah, I. It's funny because while I think I'm extremely empathetic towards humans, seeing animals suffer in movies somehow right. is worse. Not that I. Not that I think that I like value. He- animals over humans i think it's like when i see a human actor suffering in a movie i'm like okay part of my brain is like oh no i'm upset but then part of my brain is like that's a human actor you know they're they're acting right when i see like a dog in a movie even if it's even if i logically know this dog is trained to make this sound it's not actually scared i the concept of a dog actor portraying fear but not actually being afraid doesn't really resonate with me so i'm just like oh no baby like in the thing the worst scene in that movie is oh, the dogs yeah. being attacked by the thing. They're like making these horrible, scared dog noises. And I'm sure, or at least I hope very much, that these were just really well-trained dogs. First of all, it's um, White Fang is one of the dogs. Oh, the, really? The dog actor who played White Fang mm-hmm. is the main dog in that. The, the I thing think dog, at, right? Yeah. I yeah. think at worst... Really good actor so, dog. If you watch some of those shots where the dogs are getting like sprayed with thing goo, yeah, like you're definitely seeing irritated dogs. I don't think you're seeing dogs in uh, like afraid, but I think you're seeing dogs being like, "Oh, what the hell, man? <laughs> what is this?" Yeah, right. But there's like a dog that tries to bite its way out of the cage because it's so scared, mm-hmm. and it's just like, "Oh, puppy!" Probably screw peanut butter. Screw yeah, all these. <laughs> I know, I know, right? But like, screw all these people. Like, save the puppies. <laughs> My favorite is when a dog or animal is trying to be vicious and you can kind of tell they're just having fun. Right. You see their tails wagging. Well, that's what's so interesting about the, and this is a total tangent, but I I just watched it recently. So the dog is infected by the thing, which is this shape-shifting alien evil entity. And the, the dog actor is so good at being kind of uncanny the way it it's sits, such a good dog it's actor. such a good dog actor and it kind of is creepy but it's also like i'm just so proud of such a good good boy what a good boy Again, it's white fang like that <laughs> that's that is like the jack nicholson of dogs yeah uh it's great yeah the name is jed Jed the dog Aww. was in The Thing and White Fang and White Fang 2. Get, get him on, <laughs> get him on Oscar or an Oscar okay. Meyer Wiener. <laughs> I know we're I know we're far down the rabbit hole. I just have to say the dog has one self credit where the dog plays itself. <laughs> and this is blowing my mind. Uh, it plays itself in the video documentary 
Dead Kennedys, The Early Years. Okay. A documentary about the punk band, The Dead Kennedys. I don't know why <laughs> White Fang is in that, but well, I'm going to have to listen, find listen, Jed, Jed the dog was, was there in the formative years of the Dead Kennedys, so they couldn't they couldn't do a comprehensive documentary without talking to him. Right. Was Jed the first singer? <laughs> the cast of this documentary is the four members of the Dead Kennedys and Jed. <laughs> that's all that's listed on IMDb. It's just the dog in a pair of, of glasses, like, facing camera, like, Yes, well, you know, I, I knew the dead Kennedys yeah. in their early years, and to be to be frank with you, it was their sound was uh pretty rough. <laughs> Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. So now we're going to talk about ants. Ants can be scary, but ants could have their own horror movies, like Attack of the Ant Mimics. There are species of predatory insects and arachnids that mimic ants visually, behaviorally, and sometimes through pheromones. Reasons for the mimicry range from being able to sneakily live among the ants to stealing the ants' identity to avoid predators. Predators who are rightfully afraid of the wrath of an ant colony. Some mimics are ruthless murderers, using their ant shape to sneak up on an ant, kill it, and eat it, like John Carpenter's The Thing. So before the break, we were just talking about The Thing, and I mm-hmm. was kind of, there aren't that many, like, shape-shifting super animals that can assume the form of any organism, unfortunately. 
But when you think of evolution as sort of like like on this grander scale of evolution shaping animals into things in order to prey upon other animals, it behaves very much like the thing. And so I want you to take a look at these photos because it shows a couple of ant mimics. So the first photo is of a jumping spider ant mimic. Can you tell which one is the ant and which one is the spider? Yes, but until I knew what these pictures were of, I just assumed I was looking at two ants. <laughs> uh, I'm very, I'm surprised. Like now looking at it, I'm like, oh, that is a spider yeah. pretending, doing its darndest to be an ant. Yeah, right. this is a real. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Yeah, this this spider is real. This is this is diabolical. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like if you saw this spider and, like, squinted at it, he'd be like, don't, bl- don't blow this for me, man. <laughs> Shut, up. Shut up, dude. Don't be an arc. Be chill. Don't snitch. Don't snitch. <laughs> well, this first one is a little less diabolical, I think, because this is actually a jumping spider mimicking an ant not to prey on the ants, but actually to steal their identity so other spiders don't prey on it. Because if a spider eats an ant, a real ant, it runs the risk of the ant sending out distress pheromones and then the whole colony coming in and attacking and killing the spider, which happens frequently. So spiders are like, okay, I don't want to like, you know, attack an ant. So the jumping spider, (laughs) which is often smaller spiders are often the prey of bigger spiders and the jumping spider, a cute little baby spider, is, is often the prey of bigger spiders. So by imitating an ant, it is actually standing a better chance of avoiding predation from larger spiders. I love that a spider eating an ant will erupt into a gang fight. (laughs) Yeah. Like they'll just, they'll just come out and stomp that spider's ass. Right. (laughs) No, I mean like that's, they have, that is their whole thing, right? Safety in numbers, safety in the colony. And if you, you, you have to establish that basically you can't mess with us or else you get the whole, whole colony on uh, up your butt sometimes literally yeah it's it's like the entire philosophy of the ant i feel like is they showed up on this earth and they were like ah crap we're ants (laughs) we're like the smallest things we better like stick together yeah exactly Uh, that's all we have they probably start out as solitary insects and it ended up the more social they were the more successful they were Right. So the second photos are interesting because this is a little more devious. Now, these are not ants. They look basically, the first one especially looks exactly like an ant. But this is actually the ant mimicking predatory spider called the Karenga ant-like jumper. And they are found in Southeast Asia. They mimic weaver ants. And this is a form of aggressive mimicry because the spider will pretend to be an ant, you know, sneak up to an ant, be like, hello, fellow ant. And then, Mm. you know, eat it. If it gets caught by another ant, it's like just doing normal ant stuff, you know, Mm. taking care of this dead body. And they're like, uh, I'm going to have to report you and we're going to have to uh, Let me see have some, a meeting. Let me don't, see some ID. Don't be a total buzzkill, dude. Yeah. This ant's pretty sus. 
Yeah, and then the, and that's the female. The female looks very much like an ant, and it's like front legs kind of look like the feelers of the ant, even though they're legs, and they'll actually yep. hold them kind of like feelers and, and mimic the ant's behavior. And male Karenga ant-like jumper spiders actually are way crazier, and I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, but there's another detail that I want to point out. So male Karenga ant-like jumper spiders look like two ants where one ant is holding the other quote-unquote ant, but it's just one spider, and, like, the second ant is its giant fangs. So, unlike the female, it needs to compete with other males in mating, so it needs these big set of fangs, but ants don't have, generally speaking, giant long fangs. So, right. in order to continue to pass off as an ant, it makes itself look like two ants, one carrying the other, except for the horrifying moment that one of the ants splits open into a giant set of fangs. It's the it's the spider equivalent of two kids in a trench coat. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, the spiders really having to juggle a lot of things. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's like, it's like the thing, if the thing had to look like it was holding a child all right, the time. Right, right. Like and holding... then the child burst into tentacles. <laughs> Just has like... Like, a, you know, Childs has, like, one of the other ones, like, on his shoulders. And he's like, hey, guys, right. it's normal stuff. I love how these ants, like, are these spiders. The female one has, like, terrifying spider mandibles. Like, the... But, like, ants do, too. Just, like, slightly different yes. ones. Mm -hmm. So, like, an, an observant ant would just be like, oh, you're slightly more terrifying looking than us. Right. Not much more, but your your creepy mouth is even creepier for some reason. Right. And they probably do a lot of like sense just sort of by feel, by tactile recognition. So probably their eyesight's not super great. So, but by like just sweeping a, a leg over the spider, it's like, oh, you're, 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 ba you're basically ant shaped, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. The male one, though, it just feels like evolution just continuing to, like, write over itself over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Like, not erasing anything, just adding and adding. Yeah, yeah like, the, like, the female has mastered it. That thing yeah. looks like an ant. The male looks like a goblin. Yeah. <laughs> Females walking around like, hey, I'm an ant. The male's walking around like, hi, I'm an ant. <laughs> I'm too. also an ant. Everybody's like, ah, normal, ah. normal, normal, normal. <laughs> <laughs> it comes with, hey, guys, just two ants. I don't think that guy's two ants. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Want to we grab to here. ant favorite beer? <laughs> we were talking about annihilation earlier, but. It is interesting because, like, when you look at evolution on a larger scale, that idea of weird transformations, like, and weird melding yeah. of, like, different forms. Actually, while it doesn't really happen across species like it does in, or distantly related species in Annihilation, it does certainly happen where, like, we just had an episode, actually, Abe and Bridget were on, and we talked about carcinization, where everything just starts to turn into crabs, like every, uh... <laughs> <laughs> everything is crab. Everything is crabs. Every crustacean starts to like evolve into crab form at some point. I preferred like everything. everything. Where you're just like you turn on the faucet and it's like crabs. Well, you know, spiders. <laughs> like, are, spiders are starting to be more. They're like crab spiders. And look, maybe humans are next. I don't have any quote unquote research to back that up, but. I 
I like the idea that Mother Nature is like end game is crabs. Uh, yeah, I think like that's, that's it. Yeah. Crab game. Yeah, we're all just <laughs> we're all just on our way to be crabs. It's a different different Age of Ultron uh, kind of thing yeah. where he does the, the he wants to turn snap. everyone into crabs. He does this finger yeah. snap and everyone gets turned into crabs. That would have been a better one. That'd been a better wish. Been a, Be- better yeah. magic gauntlet wish. Would have been my wish. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's so- crabs now. <laughs> Crab world. So another horror movie trope that ants do is that scene in World War Z. You know the one where all the it's like the only good scene in World War Z, the movie, but uh-huh. like where all the zombies are piling on top of each other to get over this wall. So oh, yeah. ants do this where they form bridges out of their bodies. So at first it sounds you know, pretty innocent and simple enough, like these ants kind of cooperating together, maybe. But like when you actually look at the reality and science behind it, it is very scary. And it's like even worse in some ways than that World War Z scene, because like in the World War Z scene, they're just sort of creating like a pile, a a zombie pile, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's, I guess, kind of threatening. So army ants have this behavior where they can actually make these long bridge chains of ants so i want you guys to check out that video just for a second oh i've seen this yeah i want to hang off of it you think (laughs) you think they'd let me hang off of it no maybe you think i just end up covered in ants well maybe if you dress as a big ant like like hey i'm here i am also an ant because they seem pretty easy to fool yeah describe what you're seeing here it looks like a jump rope like it it's it's the awning of a house, and it looks like from afar, someone has hung like maybe a cable of some sort off off the edge of the house. It's but like a, a loop. Sort of you could fuzzy moving you could, like, cable. You could like plant something on it, and then once you press play, it does indeed begin to move, and it it appears to be honestly the most useless ant bridge I've seen. <laughs> Because they're forming this big loop, this like drooping loop so that they can get the equivalent of like one and a half feet (laughs) that they could probably just crawl on the awning to get to. It does seem like they're showing off. So it's like a it's it's a big purely made out of ants, this big chain of ants, like thick as a thick as a big cable that goes from like sort of one end to the awning sort of loops down and then goes up towards what is actually a wasp's nest. These are army ants. So army ants describe a number of species of ants that form aggressive groups of foraging ants. And this can result in rivers of ants, towers of ants, and just huge bridges of undulating ants. And when you you look at this, it's like, okay, so why how are they doing this? Like are they do they have some kind of like pheromone signal where they're like, okay, make a bridge or is it some kind of altruism sort of thing or like cooperation or emergent multi mind or like the queen going like, okay, guys, go form a bridge. And the reality is actually kind of frustratingly simple. So there is just this very, and we actually talked about this, I think last week, just about how a very intelligent seeming behavior can actually be a really dumb, simple behavior. But once you multiply it by a bunch of individuals, the swarm actually seems to be acting very intelligently. 
So here's the basic algorithm that researchers have worked out that each dumb little ant brain does. So ant comes across a gap and it pauses because, you know, it's like, uh oh, a gap and it stops. And then another ant comes from behind the first ant and that ant walks over the first ant and then gets to the end of the first ant and stops and is like, uh oh, I can't walk anymore. And the first ant when another ant is walking on top of its back, it just instinctively freezes. Mm-hmm. And then, so when there are, so this keeps happening over and over again, right? So ant, it's like now there's like two ants that are like stopped because like the first ant is like, uh-oh, someone's on top of me. I, I freeze now. And then the second ant is like, oh, I can't walk anymore. I stop walking now. And the third ant comes, walks over both of them. They're like, oh, okay. We're stopped now. But this keeps happening over and over again until you have an actual bridge of ants between the gap and then ants can start to cross it. So basically, when there are enough ants trampling on the frozen ants' backs, they will stay in place because there's so much foot traffic on top of them. But when traffic starts to lighten up, they'll actually start to break apart and and keep moving like as soon as they don't have so many ants like trampling over them. And this is like this very stupidly simple algorithm, but then you multiply that times thousands and thousands of ants, and that actually results in this very complex group behavior that allows them to build bridges, which can increase movement efficiency and reach places of interest. Now, in this case, it is interesting because like this looks to be fairly unintelligent, right? Like why would you form this big loop of ants when you could just like walk from the hive back to the, like, so they're they're going to the wasp's nest in order to raid it, like, get all the larvae and stuff and eat, eat all these things. And then what they'll do is they'll, like, break apart their prey and then, like, bring it back to their ant colony. But the fact that they've formed this seemingly, like, superfluous loop instead of just walking across the awning, it could either just be sort of the algorithm just being kind of dumb. I mean, like any computer programmer probably knows when this happens, when you write a program, and sometimes it's not completely efficient because it just happens to start this behavior that will keep going. Or it could be that, like, there are ants that are trying to walk across the roof, but it's harder for them to carry things on this flat surface upside down or something. I'm not sure. It's very interesting, Maybe it's just more fun. Maybe it's more fun. They were just trying to get their 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 wiggles out. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna make a joke about like the the uselessness of being one of those bridge ants just sitting there like in one place, not not serving a very simple purpose to make this flimsy bridge for the better ants to like walk across. And then I remembered like society and jobs, <laughs> and was like, oh, all right. You remembered we out. live in a society. Yeah, we live in a society. <laughs> Do the ants get to, like, talk to each other, at least, when they're in the bridge? Yeah, they chit-chat, you know. They chit-chat? Like, how's your how's your ant wife? And then the other Ta- ant's like, we're all sisters. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then the third ant's like, I'm not a spider. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I think that guy's a spider. <laughs> the spider would know how to do it, right? The spider would mess it up. Right, yeah, right. This is really, really give it give itself away in this situation. Who uh, are, do we got? Hang Pixar? eight, you guys. What do you mean, hang eight? I mean six. <laughs> is there is there a Pixar movie in this where a spider like 
is going to eat the ants and then like or it's just it's just trying to get away from its spider family and does this and then like it's you know the ants find out and they accept him anyway so let's talk about ancient ant vampires Ooh, right mm. Let me tell the story of this ancient ant vampire and someone please write a fan fiction, make it really make it really horny and inappropriate, yes? It would be vampire. Nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah, vampire. Nice. Yeah. Very good. So a ninety-eight million year old chunk of amber was found with a demonic vampire hell ant inside. So Ooh. this ant is extinct for now. We do have it trapped in amber, so you know. You know where Extract that leads. its blood and make dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, make just make more of these ants and call it Ant Park and people still die. <laughs> and go out of business. <laughs> ant Park. <laughs> Rent, buy a gigantic island, uh, set up big fences and just release the ants. Release the ants. It's like that scene, the, this, the big reveal where the two paleontologists are like they're like oh my god there's actually dinosaurs except like one they're like the music swells and you look out and there's like nothing there and then they're like right. no no down there and then it's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> no no closer dun, 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 dun. i still can't no okay there Slow i think that's closer. one right of it dun, 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 dun. there's one jeff goldblum type who's like you can't do this and they're like Wait, you think it's irresponsible? Like, no, it's just a bad business. It's a terrible idea. idea. Nobody's yeah. going to pay money to see these ants. Yeah. I don't care about the morality. It's just, it's just they're ants, man. <laughs> well, I think these ants are cool, you guys. And I, think, mm-hmm. I think if you hear about these ants, you'll think they're cool, too. So this is called a lingua marmix, Vladdy. Sure. <laughs> Hang on. Lingua Marmex Vladdy, and I'm imagining that Vladdy is referencing Vlad like a vampire. Right. A species in a group of ants called hell ants because their mandibles were just giant sides, like big curved blades. So these scythe-like jaw parts swooped down on the underside of the jaw and snap upwards in like this very, very violent underbite. Most modern ants, like their mandibles move horizontally, like side to side, you know, just a little ant kind of thing going on there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But these ones, it was like up and down, like this sort of upside down guillotine made out of sickles. And their jaws are surrounded by sensitive hairs that allow the jaw to snap shut. So like these trigger hairs that if something brushes against them, the jaw just kind of slaps shut, which probably easily decapitated unsuspecting prey. And on the upper part of their jaw is a hard, flat anvil that actually had metal particles in it to reinforce it. So basically, they have like a chopping block on the top of their jaw and like a big axe on the bottom of their jaw that comes up and chops against this like anvil. And if it doesn't decapitate their prey, it like crushes it or punctures it. And... uh also, um, they're vampires because when you have a guillotine on your face, you can't really chew. So they had sure. to suck the blood and other essential goo out of their victims. Oh, so this dude's man. like Trapjaw, the He-Man villain. Yeah. <laughs> this ant's ready for the uh, spider. The spider ants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Like, this is like a reverse trap. Like, yeah. the spider ant would come up like, hey, I'm just an ant. Yeah, and it's like, like ah! The spider comes in there like the Steve Buscemi meme. <laughs> right. Hello, yeah. fellow ants. Yeah, hello, fellow ant. Like, it's only seeing the ant from, from the behind, and then the ant turns around, so it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this thing, this is a cool ant. Why don't we have these ants anymore? Well, I mean, potentially trading off your ability to chew things with giant... Uh, guillotine face I guess probably like the more streamlined ants won out in that yeah yeah I've, but they're less cool <laughs> yeah I feel like evolution would have favored them if they existed when we existed and like ant farms would be a more lucrative right. like business we'd love these ants yeah I, I would I would have an ant farm exactly if I had these ants I mean artificial selection definitely in terms of our human preferences we do love a monster yeah I mean, look at yeah pugs. love a good monster yeah. yeah this is basically the pug of ants <laughs> yeah. Aww, cute like so let's yeah. let's let's do like weird crossbreeding until all of their legs are sickles too yeah <laughs> You're talking about pugs, right? right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about turning pugs into just these little knife beasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cute. Doug the pug, but it's got knives for knife paws. Beats. Yeah. <laughs> Ants can be pests at picnics, but are they actually dangerous to humans? While most ants may not be able to kill you, some species can. The Maricopa harvester ant, found in the southwest United States and in Mexico, have venom more potent than honeybees that produces extreme pain in humans. It can also be potentially deadly because they send out an alarm pheromone that triggers other ants to sting as well. A few hundred stings and you may be dead meat if you don't get medical attention. When we return, we're going to play a little auditory game. So turn your headphones up and your lights out. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Imagine you're camping. The sun has set, the stars are out, and you're sitting by a dim, dying campfire. There's the din of crickets, the wind blowing through the trees, and all of a sudden, you hear... So, guys, we're going to play a game. I'm going to play a sound, and you're going to guess what it is. Okay. Did we guess what that one was? Yeah, go for it. Um, I don't know. I feel like is it is it is it Bobcat Goldthwait? <laughs> yeah, is it is it Bobcat Goldthwait on acid in the woods? Um, that's no. It, all right, uh, first instinct, ki- some kind of bird. Mm. Yeah, because birds are loud all the time, and so that sounds like some sort of crow. But I I could actually see it being some kind of actual like bobcat. Right. Not Goldthwait. <laughs> Not th- Goldthwait, but <laughs> Just Bob also Cats. Goldthwait. Sounds Goldthwait. Regular. Regular. Yeah, Bob- Bobcat classic. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the call of a red fox, oh. which is, like, when I think of a fox, I don't th- I think of them sort of maybe going like, Meow, or meow. They don't really meow. But, you know, I just think, like, a fox noise to me is definitely not like, Meow. <laughs> Yeah, like an existential scream. Right. Yeah, they make like weird chirping noises. They 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 do that too. Yeah, fox noises are really unique. Mm-hmm. That that's the that's the uh, that's that. I guess what was it? A Swedish music video with oh like, yeah. the fox saying like and that isn't it. They were wrong. Yeah, no, that is not what the fox. There, the fox does sometimes say that as well. Yeah. Uh, but they also say this, and this is either a territory warning call or, I don't know, potentially a noise they make while they're mating. I think this one is the territory warning call, but they do make weird screams while they're mating I, as well. I like that we apparently can't tell the difference between those two things. I'm sure a foxologist could, but I can't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> one of them big city scientists. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm no big city fox lawyer. <laughs> I'm going to play another sound for you to guess. And I hit one and a two, and here we go. All right. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that had an evolution. Yeah. I, like at first I thought was someone t- distantly having a party. Yeah, I thought somebody was like playing some steel drums for a second. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, is a coffee maker running out of water? And then I was like, oh, am I hearing hell? Yeah. Is this hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, is, is Satan choking? 
<laughs> Satan's choking Shakes, on a pretzel. Satan's got yeah. a chicken bone stuck in his throat. Yeah. I'm going to guess some sort of monkey or ape. Mm. Oh, I'm going to guess some sort of reptile mm. or amphibious creature. Oh, yeah, like uh, a frog or something. Yeah, like some sort of stupid toad. This is actually a koala. Ew. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Get that right out of here. This is a male koala showing dominance behavior, announcing his position with a low growling rumble. And mm. this is so the koalas don't have to fight as much. So like if they have a territorial call, much like in other animals that have territorial calls, they are announcing their presence, basically saying, hey, this is my area. And that just kind of helps reduce the amount of scuffles they have to get into. And koalas will scuffle. They seem cute and cuddly, but nope, they are, uh, yeah. Is this the koala equivalent? Like, if you have property mm. and you don't want people to wander on, you can hang like a bunch of doll heads <laughs> and nobody's coming. You know, no one's going to cross that yeah. uh, property line. Is this the koala equivalent where they're like, bah, 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 and other koalas yeah. are like, I don't know. I don't know what that guy's Or like deal playing is, but... kid rock really loud. Yeah. On yeah. your speakers. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Both that and doll heads. That, yeah, you're guaranteed not to get any guests. Yes. All right, so now on to the next sound. And just a little a uh, little additional one here. So what do you think that is? A poltergeist? <laughs> I think it's I think it's a Nicolas Cage performance. <laughs> you know what it does sound like is one of those rubber chickens that you squeeze and then when you release it like screams. I got a little bit of wolf howl at the end. And so I'm guessing it's some sort of dog beast. <laughs> I'm thinking of bird. <laughs> All right. Dave, you're actually very close on this one. This is a New Guinea singing dog, which actually is probably makes the same sound as the New Guinea Highland wild dogs because they are mm. very, very closely related. So a little background, the New Guinea singing dogs are dogs that were probably domesticated from Highland wild dogs or even just tamed. I don't know how genetically different they are from the wild version of these dogs. They do not bark. Instead, they sing or howl, which often has that spooky thing at the end where it sounds haunted. I'll play it for you again just so you remember. And what's interesting is that wolves and other wild canines do not typically bark at least not in the same way that dogs bark, because barking was an adaptation that domesticated dogs developed after humans selected for watchdogs. So it's very significant that these dogs do not bark much because it indicates that they are more wild and earlier on the evolutionary tree than your typical dog. So it's I, there's a lot of like debate about like where they are in terms of dogs' evolution from their wolf-like ancestors, but 
it seems like it may be sort of a separate branch that like remained wild for a while longer before humans sort of re like took that sort of like wonky branch and then domesticated them a little more. Okay, so there was domestication involved because I'm looking at a picture and it looks like a domesticated dog. I have a theory. Sure. Is that we domesticated them. Then they started doing that <laughs> and we stopped domesticating them. We were like, oh, never mind. Uh, I can't have you in our house. Every, if every time the mailman comes, I think I've crossed over into the phantom world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you, dog. You win. You win yeah. this round of domestication. Here's a fun fact. Uh, they can rotate their paws to help them catch prey or open doorknobs. You know. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's not good. I don't need this thing coming into my house in the middle of the night. Yeah. This, uh, Again, nu- you get one, it walks into your room and like opens the door and goes, yeah, The, the like, oh, nope. doorknob just slowly turns and the little yep. dog face sticks in and it's like, yeah. <laughs> Not interested, dog. I don't need any of this. <laughs> so now here's my last sound for you guys to guess about. And what do you think is making that sound? I'm going to go with wishful thinking and say it's a worm. <laughs> I want it to be, I want a screaming worm to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, like an angry bat. Yeah, I could see something like that. This is actually a barn owl. So <sighs> most owls make a lovely little like ooh sound but barn owls scream like they're being murdered and the call is used by males to attract mates and to invite females to check out potential nest sites whereas females use the screeching call to ask males to give them food so it's actually a pretty like (laughs) sweet thing basically these owls are screaming at each other but then in the subtitles it's like Honey, would you like to come over and check out this nesting site? I think it has an excellent view. <gasps> Honey, could you get me that dead mouse? I'm feeling kind of peckish. Right. Yeah. That Owls are the weirdest things we have. I, like, yeah. They're sky cats. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they, don't, they don't seem to have like bones. They do they have screech. bones. I don't know. They're, they're, they're real weird. They do have bones, but they have ears that are asymmetrical. So one ear hole is lower than the other ear hole to give them more depth perception with their hearing. Okay. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. The sound of a, of a defeated man. You, you, you implied they, an established owl relationship. With these screams? It can both be a come on, like to sort of. I was thinking, like, hey, baby, check out my pad. Right, like, check out my yeah, cool no, it pad. could be to seduce a mate, but it can also be to communicate with a mate, like, check out this nesting okay. site, or I'm hungry, please feed me. Right. Which is what the sound that I make when I'm hungry, also. <sighs> <There's>, <laughs> yeah, there, it's just. I, I, I will. This is exactly the kind of the kind of malarkey I'd expect an owl to do, because they got to make they're just having a casual conversation and they got to freak everybody out around them because that's just what they do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I, I I do like an owl. I also like how I, you look I, at you like sort of lift up their sort of skirt skirt feathers and you lift them up yeah. and their legs are just big and swole. It's very good. I don't. Scream at I'm you. not against. I'm not against owls. It's just there's always a uh, what now with owls. Right. Like if I saw an owl and then it suddenly like uh like turned into two owls like separated right. into two. I'd be like, I guess that's a thing they can do. Right. Because like nothing would be surprise me about owls. They're <laughs> they're weird little creatures that just flutter around and go about your like what are what is their world? There's nothing better than a group of baby barn owls sort of as a group because their feathers haven't really grown in yet and they're very defensive. So you take a video of them and they're kind of waving their head around like what are you gonna do about it huh bro what are you gonna do about it and they're like basically naked they look like aliens and probably one of them's got a like a mouse half down its throat like there are a lot of videos that you can see where you know big barn owls just top notch top notch animals in terms of just making a dramatic scene they're real real edgelords (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the owl documentary, um, Legends of the Guardians? Oh, God. The Owls of Gahul? <laughs> no, I have not. So clearly oh. I don't know everything about owls. You got to check that, that out. A good, have you seen it, Dave? Yes. Is it a good movie? Mm, it's definitely got a lot of owls in it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got an owl. On a scale a lot of, of one owl, how many owls? Too many owls? Like a whole lot of owls. Whole lot of a lot so of owl on owl what violence. What you guys are telling me is that this movie was not a hoot. Mm. Not a hoot. Mm. It has owl fascists in it. Oh. It does. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. I so think, I'm going to uh, go with not a hoot. We're just going to do one more. <laughs> we're going to do one more sound, and we're going to end the episode on that note. <laughs> what do you think that is, huh? Oh shoot. Mm. Oh man. That's definitely like yeah. That's some it's some kind of really angry extinct creature, yeah. possibly. That is the rare brown tufted red chested tamalin. Yeah. Yes. The tamalin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the call that it makes during mating. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh God. You you just really disturbed me with the implication that every time he makes that sound he's horny. Oh yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> he makes that sound a lot he does yeah. yeah well thank you guys so much for joining me today and playing my animal sound guessing game and checking out some real life animal horror movies where can the people find you uh we we we're we have a patreon for our podcast network called gamefully unemployed uh you can check us out at patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed Lloyd. Uh, and also thank you for having having us on. Yeah. yeah. Always a delight. Indeed. This was yeah. fun. I've been meaning to have Tom on for a while, but he can only come on at midnight on mm-hmm. a when the moon is crescent yeah. moon. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You Every got- time I do a podcast with him, I have to I have to crack open like a skull right. and pour blood in he it. Has mm-hmm. to have, he has yeah. to have a blood meal to have the energy yeah. to get through an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta play a, a haunting European folk song backwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can find the podcast on the internet 
at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram, at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F E A T, not F E E T. You can find me, Katie Golden, K A T I E G O L D I N, on Twitter. Just my Katie thoughts. You can email me with cute pictures of your pets at the email address, <laughs> creaturefeaturepod mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Send me your pets, your questions, or if you find a cool bee, a cool yeah. twig, I don't know. Send it, suck it to yeah, me. Send, send, send Katie bees. Send yeah, bees. do you have a mailing address for the bees? <laughs> P.O. Box bees. Bees. <laughs> And thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating or review. It really helps the podcast. And I do read all of the reviews, and it makes me feel good inside. Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Features, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.